Well, good morning, Beltway Park. Hey, happy new year. Nice, brisk morning. I left Dallas yesterday. My family and I had gone on vacation to Dallas for the week in between Christmas and New Year's, and we were coming home, and it was 73, and it was 37 when we got home. I was like, Texas, I love you with all my heart, but I could do with less of this. And I like it cold, just, you know, it doesn't have to be a temperamental thing. The weather doesn't have to. But I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm excited to be able to kick off a, uh, a new year with you in worship. And um, I'm excited about the word that the Lord shared on my heart. Uh, it's not your, like, normal January 2nd sermon, so get ready, buckle up. We're going to have fun together. Uh, I did want to start off with a fun fact. How many of you like fun facts? All right, this is a really fun one for me. You will think it's less fun, but that's okay. I am the only male in my family who's never been arrested. Huh? Yeah, you should clap for that. That's amazing. Especially if you knew me in high school. That feels like an accomplishment. Uh, now, my brother, he, uh, he got arrested sharing the gospel in Azerbaijan. So I guess he gets a pass. Uh, but this is a story about my father. And maybe you don't know this. It isn't unimportant. Like, this does not matter. This part of the story doesn't matter except to me and me roasting my father. Uh, he is our executive pastor here at Beltway. Yeah, right? He's also an elder. So on our church website, if you go to beltway.org and you see, like, our staff, my dad's picture is on there twice. And I get to tell a story about him getting arrested, which is just a great way to kick off. It's a great way for me to kick off the new year, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, we were, I was going into eighth grade. So it was after my seventh grade year, and I was going into eighth grade, and we were going on a mission trip to Enniscorthy, Ireland. And uh, we still do this same trip. So we still take teams over to, uh, to Enniscorthy, and we do a, camp, a kids camp there. But this was the very first year we had done it. And my dad was on staff at the church uh, that... I was at in Lubbock, and so he was helping lead this team to Enniscorthy. And, and uh, so we, we drove, our team leaders drove in Ireland, which is, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. So he, uh, he was one of our team leaders, so he drove our cars. Now, I would love to tell you, like, you should go on this trip. If you are looking at a mission trip to go to in 2022, this is an incredible trip. I've gone like 10 times. I love Ireland with all my heart. I love Inda and Angela and their family and the team there. And this camp, the first year we did it, had 75 kids. And I dressed up, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but it's a fun story. I dressed up as a clown one day. Don't do that, okay? For whatever reason, I walked in as a full clown and this kid goes, ah, and then he left and we never saw that kid again. So we had 75 kids that first year, last year, the last pre-COVID year, we had 500 kids and teenagers in a city of like 6,000 people. And they just come from everywhere. And it's an incredible, incredible trip. It's an incredible ministry. What God's doing in Enniscorthy is unbelievable. It's amazing. And, and you should go on that trip. And also, we don't drive there anymore, okay? So this is... Uh, there's, there's a million different things about Ireland and, and Texas, right? So when we eat food, like, if it doesn't make me tear up just a little bit, I'm not convinced it was seasoned. I watched my mom the other day salt food that she had not tasted. Like, just, we like seasoned food, right? In Ireland, they don't. They also have green stuff everywhere, just like grass and trees all year long. Well, you know, we have that two-month window where everything's really pretty, and then it's like, 
not, and that's pretty different there. But the thing that is the most different to me about Ireland and uh, Texas is this. This is a two-lane road in Ireland. Two lanes. You're not mishearing me. Two cars are supposed to go on this one little road. So one day my dad is driving, and he's driving on the wrong side of the vehicle, on the wrong side of the road in our minds. So he's driving, and he's coming around a corner, and he has uh, one of the other members of our team in there, and he sees another Irish guy that is coming on this same, like a road just like this. And so what does he do? He panics. So he does what you would do in Texas, and he jerks the wheel to the left because he's going to get out of this guy's way. And the Irish guy's like, dumb, not Irish person. I'm going to jerk my wheel to the right so I don't hit you. So what did they do? They destroyed each other. Okay, both cars smashed each other. One of our team comes running down the road and knocks on the door of the missionary's house that we were staying with. And they're like, hey, there's cops. Randy might get arrested. And I'm 13, okay? And not like a super emotionally healthy 13. And so I'm freaking out. And so they end up arresting my father. Um, You know, who knows why? Probably because he was a foreigner driving on the wrong side of the road, totaled two vehicles and sent two people to the hospital. That seems fair. But they loaded him in the car. And uh, it's funny now to think about him getting loaded into the cop car. In that moment, I mean, I stood beside a road in Enniscorthy, Ireland and wept as somebody had to console me because I thought, I'm never seeing my dad again. I'd never left Texas, much less, like, I mean, I was freaking out. But in his defense... That is not a road. I mean, it's pretty. Look how beautiful the picture. But that's not, you should only be able to drive one cart and buggy on that thing, not two vehicles. This is what we're used to. Look at that thing. That's I-10. I-10 in parts of, of Texas gets to 26 lanes. 26 lanes in Ireland is like two thirds of the country. Like you're just making some distance. But here's like a regular two-lane road in Texas, or not Texas. Like, you got a shoulder, big old road, another big old road, more shoulder. I mean, there's space to drive there. And if I were to ask you, all you who drive like the lifted pickup truck dualies that you don't actually need but make you feel cool, and I, (laughs) too real? Okay. And I were to say, you want to drive... You want to drive on this road? Or do you, do you want to drive on this road? Like, I drive a f- matchbox car of a Ford Fusion, and I'm not going to go, you know what, give me the tiny little road. You know what we're going to say? Give me the road that Kramer paints on Seinfeld. Okay, if you've never seen that, your homework is Google Seinfeld makes a two-lane road a one-lane road, and it's hilarious. Or Kramer makes a two-lane road a, a one-lane road. It's awesome. But like we're, we want space. I mean, half of us got to Texas because we loved how just wide open everything is all the time. And when we're thinking about driving, I don't want little, tiny, compact roads. Like we want as much space as we can have. We want distance. We want room to maneuver. Give me the, the path of easiest resistance. Give me the easy road. What if that mindset taken out of our driving and enacted in our life is actually causing us harm. 
And I know that feels weird because it's like the path of least resistance, the easiest road, that should be the best road. The wide road feels so much safer than a smaller, narrow road. It feels counterintuitive. It feels opposite of what our brains might think that maybe the narrow road is the better road. But then over in Proverbs, we see this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now, women, you don't get a pass. You don't get to like throw an elbow at your husband and go, hey, men, you gotta stop thinking the way that you're, no, this is when Proverbs talks about men, it's talking about humanity as a whole. And what Solomon says is there is a way that seems like it is the best way, but actually it's not. And that feels weird. If I think it's the best way, I mean, most of us think if we're on a journey, whether you're in high school, whether you're older and you're, you're on a journey and you're on that because, you know what, you feel like it is the best path for you to be on. And I love in scripture when, uh, when they don't mince words. Like this scripture, Solomon could have gone, hey, come here, buddy. Just come here. That road you're on, you could pick a little bit better one. Just try and say, hey, you know what? You're settling for good, but there could be better. Now he says, hey, the road you're on is gonna kill you. You're like, man, Solomon, just tone it down. But he doesn't want to because what he's telling us is, hey, this path that so many of us are choosing to walk on day in and day out, it is ushering us into complete and total destruction. The road that we often choose to navigate is potentially detrimental to the life that we want to live. And as I read that verse in Proverbs, and I think about the decisions that I make in my own life or the journeys that so many of us are on, I, I wonder, I worry more like it, how many of us just jumped on the easy path and are just, just trying to make it to tomorrow just to survive till the next day? Because that's what felt like it was best in the moment but we're steamrolling our lives to a destination that we don't actually want in the end. When, when there's a better option. See, Solomon doesn't say, the path that everyone is on is leading to death. That would be a really downer of a sermon. He says, there's a path that seems right to man, and that is leading us to death. When what we want is the opposite of death. I mean, we, I don't know about you, but if the option is death and life, I would choose life. And we all want life, but not just life. We don't want to just settle for taking this breath and then exhaling it and then taking another breath and then exhaling it. We want full, abundant, rich, overflowing, satisfying, peaceful, joyful life. When I think about abundant life, and Jesus says we just celebrated Christmas where Jesus talks about coming to this earth and he says in his own words in John 10, I came, he came born as a baby so that you and I might have the opportunity to have life, but not just life, have it in abundance. And if the option is this or death, I would prefer the one that is full and rich and overflowing and abundant. So the question we should be asking ourselves is how do we get it? And Jesus tells us over in Matthew 7, so if you will, grab a Bible. We're going to camp out in Matthew 7 for a little while. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one around you. There's one underneath your chair, the chair in front of you. If you're online, you can, uh, right there on the screen, there is a Bible. 
We're going to be in Matthew 7, verse 13. This is the most famous sermon that anyone has ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It is this important, impactful sermon that we gain so much knowledge about the way we live our life in this, these few chapters. And Jesus says this in Matthew 7. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. He says, all right, there's two roads, two gates for you to walk through. One is wide, it's I-10, it's huge, it's easy to go down this, and that's where everyone's going right now. But the other's small and narrow. You squeeze through the gate a little bit. And few people are gonna go on this one. And if we were to take a step back and go, you know what? Given the two, the, the wide, easy sounds better, except for Jesus says, only the narrow road leads to life. When we look at these two options that Jesus gave us, one and only one would lead us to life. And if that's the case, then I want to figure out first, what is the opposite of that? What is the wide, what is the wide road that Jesus is talking about? It's this. Just life. Remember what Solomon said? He said, there is a way that seems right to man. You want to know how you get on the, the wide road? Breathe. Like just live your life. Like It requires no conscious thought or choice to get on the wide, easy road that Jesus says so many people are walking on. Just you do you, boo. Make the decisions that you want. Eat what you want. Drink what you want. Have relationships with who you want. Do the addictions you want. You do whatever you want all the time. If it feels good, do it. That is the wide road. You want to know the far more convicting thing, though? about the wide road. This road is also often Bible Belt Christianity. Woo. It's the, it's the, I'm gonna go to church because like that's what you're supposed to do in Abilene, Texas. Maybe your spouse won't stop nagging you about being here and you're like, well, I'll just do it just to get her or him to shut up. It's that I'm going to be a good person because that's what's kind of expected. I'm going to do the church things because that is what we do in the Bible Belt. And yet we're missing so much of the point of what God has for us. See, none of those are actually bad. Like the, none of those things are negative per se. But rarely does the easy path mean the best path. See, the wide road is always the easiest road doesn't mean it's the one that we think is best. Take your health, for example. I hate the gym. And I feel like I preach this January every time, like I'm always the one right after Christmas, and I say the same thing every year. I hate the gym, okay? It's awful. You know it. I know it. You know what's easier than going to the gym? Queso. <laughs> I, I adore queso. I don't like it. I love it. You know what's easier than going to the gym and sweating and feeling gross and smelling gross? Eating a big, beautiful bowl of chips and queso. But is that best? Maybe some days. 
No, it's not best. We would all know that. We would all agree that that's not better for my health. What about parenting? It's way easier to not discipline your kids. Right? So much easier. And you all have friends that chose that path. And you know what? They're your former friends now. Right? Because you don't want to be around them because their kids are terrors. Because they need the discipline. And is it easier? No, it's not easy. Disciplining your child is never the easy thing, but is it the best thing? It's way easier to just kind of skate through your job and do the bare minimum than it is excel and do everything with excellence. That is so much easier to just make it through your job, and yet that is not the best thing. And I'll be honest with you, I want the easy road. Just in full honesty, I did preach this sermon, and not this sermon. I talked about how much I hated the gym last year, and this year, 2021, I actually went to the gym. You know what? All the people that say they like it, they're lying. But I did it, and I feel better from it, and I've had chronic back issues that are better now because of it. But it's not easy. I want the easy road. I want to wake up with warm queso beside me. I don't want to punish my eight-year-old. You ever seen her? She's like, she's got these crazy eyes. They're beautiful and rich. She's got this big flowing hair and these, these gorgeous cheeks. And like when you make her cry, you feel like you kicked a puppy. Not that I've ever done that, okay? I told you, I haven't been arrested. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to discipline that child. I am prone to take the easy road. A few years ago, my wife thought that it was a good idea, and I am blaming her for this. She thought it was a good idea to buy our kids bunk beds for Christmas. Yay. All right, any of you that are still putting, like any parent that's still having to put together all your kids' stuff from Christmas, the altars are open after service, okay? I feel you, I am you, I still have stuff I haven't put together, and I'm sad about it. I'm sad that it's still at home, and I've got to do that in a little while. We did that. Got them, the, got, them the, uh, got them the bunk beds. I didn't put them together right away because I thought, why? And the girls were like constantly, dad, 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 will you put it together, will you put it together? And finally the noise-canceling headphones ran out of battery and I was like, you know what, I'll put them together, okay? And so I started putting them together. I opened it up, you know, you had like the, the stuff, you had like screws and wood and everything that's needed for the bunk beds. And then there was a packet of paper. I was like, I don't need that. It's a bunk bed. It's a one bed and then another bed on top. Like, what idiot couldn't put this together? So I started putting it together. And you know what? I finished. I dominated that bunk bed. And then my wife came in and she was like, hey, babe, it looks beautiful. And I was like, I know. I'm a man. I did it. And she goes, what's all that on the floor? And I was like, those are the extra pieces they give you in case stuff breaks. And she goes, they're not. And then she left and didn't even help fix it. The instructions are actually helpful. See, we, we all universally agree that taking the easy path, whether it be with our health or with our parenting or with putting together bunk beds, we, we would universally agree the easy path is, is not the best path until it comes to our faith. And as far as faith goes, the easy path seems so much easier. I just, I just gotta like come to church and like halfway engage in worship. I might even like, like 
close my eyes or raise my hands. At, I, mean, we, I might pay some of my tithe. Like I, I, can, I can do the, the little church things that we're supposed to. And what Jesus says is that this, this I-10 life that so many of us are living on, because it just comes naturally to us, is, is leading us on a path to destruction. And the only other alternative, the only other option for us is to take a far less convenient route, a far more difficult at times route. We, we got to take this road. And it is only this narrow road, Jesus says in Matthew 7, it's only this narrow road that you have any hope of achieving life. Because you see, these wide and narrow roads, they do not end at the same destination. We would all love for them to. We would love for life to be easy and every religion to end up in heaven and everything, me just to make all the decisions I want and then at the end get the reward no matter what. And what scripture says is that is not the case. That when this road forks and the easy road goes off this way and the narrow road winds its way this way, it is only the narrow road that the final destination is abundant life. Life-giving, full life. A promise that God is always there for you whenever you need him. That when you go through seasons of feeling brokenhearted, that he is the one who mends it. That maybe you lost your father. He's a father to the fatherless. That maybe you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. That he is the provider. He says, this is all that I am for you if you want abundant life. But the only entrance is through Jesus. See, that verse, John 10, 10, where Jesus says, I came that they may have life and they may have it in abundance. John 10, 9 says this. I am the door. It's Jesus talking. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find a pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The entrance to the narrow road that leads to abundant life is only found in the person of Jesus. But walking through that gate is not something that's just going to happen. I told you, you get on the wide road just by living your life. It is an entrance ramp that every single one of us goes on. But going through the narrow gate, that is going to be a conscious choice. You don't get it because you grew up in a Christian household. That's someone else's door. Not yours. You don't get it by being a good person. That's fine that you're a good person. You should be a good person. We should all be good people, but that does not get us entrance into heaven. We don't get it by anything that we could ever possibly do. We only get it by saying yes to Jesus. But here's the deal. It, as followers of Christ, and honestly, as the church often, we've watered down what it looks like to follow Jesus. We've made it into a magic prayer. Be like, all right, everybody, close your eyes and bow your heads, please. I want you to say these words. Jesus, I need you. Please forgive my sins, and I will follow you forever. Amen. And then you feel like you jump on this roller coaster that is the narrow road, and because you said the magic prayer, it gets you all the way to the final destination. And listen, that's just not the case. It's, that is a true prayer. We desperately need Jesus, and without him saving our sins, we are forever hopeless. I need to follow him forever because it is only in him that I can find abundant life. But if it was just a magic prayer in the moment, then it would be so easy to follow Jesus, and it's just not that way. See, trusting Jesus 
as the door to abundant life means giving up everything. He says this over in Matthew. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? The gate is small for a reason. It is narrow on purpose. It was not an accidental design. That is a purposeful thing because what Jesus is saying, and right here in Matthew, he's saying, you want to walk through this gate? It's just you. You can't pull anyone with you. You can't take the baggage that you've carried for as long as you have. You're going to get to this gate, and if you want to say yes to me, you lay everything down. All of your dreams, your hopes, your ambition, your sin, the addiction that has been existing in your family for as long as you can remember, the affair that you don't want to admit to, the pornography that keeps being a thing, the money stuff that is always a part of your life, everything about you that makes you you stops right here, and then and only then can you walk through that gate. You deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And in that process of laying all of me down and saying yes only to him. We find what the wide and narrow, what the wide and broad road could never give us. The wide and broad will give you temporary satisfaction. It'll be stuff sometimes, but we find in giving up everything and walking through the gate that is Jesus that we find life and the life that he offers. And I, I would love to kick off 2022 by telling you that that is gonna be super easy, that just following Jesus is gonna be a piece of cake and you're just gonna have no troubles at all with it. But he says it's narrow. It's gonna be jostling you around at times. It's gonna feel different. It's gonna feel countercultural most of the time. It's not always gonna be the most popular thing. It's gonna look different. Parents, we decide we're going to walk down the narrow road, it's going to mean we parent a little different. It means sometimes you're going to have to tell your kids, hey, I'm sorry you can't go to that birthday party. They're watching a movie we won't let you watch, so I'm sorry. It means you're going to love your spouse different. You're not going to go on the girls' night and start bashing your husband because you think he's a balding, fat idiot, even if those things might be true. Husbands, it means that you're not going to continue to just take those glances at the secretary and feel all right with that because that's, you know, doesn't matter as long as I don't touch. It means you're going to spend your finances different. Try explaining the idea of a tithe, giving 10% of your money to somebody who's never been involved in church, and they're going to look at you like you're an insane person. It means you're going to, like, do priorities different. You're going to prioritize different things than the world does. Maybe that means that your kids aren't going to do 15 different activities or you're not going to take on all the side projects or you're not going to do whatever and you're going to make sure you have time and space to do what you feel like God calls you to do. It's going to look different. And the truth is, I would love to tell you it's always going to be easy, but staying on the path that leads to abundant life is actually going to be difficult at times. And I'm not talking about like once saved, always saved. We're not getting into that theological debate right now. I'm, I'm saying I fully believe you can have a genuine encounter with Jesus 
where he moves in your heart and you are on that narrow road and you are trucking down that narrow road and things are going great and the enemy can do things that can cause you to have the abundant life that God has stolen from you. I believe that you could, act, you could take a detour that the enemy would love for you to take and that life could be different than maybe you wanted it to be. So the one question for you and I if that is the end destination, if the end destination that I would prefer is abundant life, then the question should be, how do I get on that road? And it's through the person of Jesus. But then how do I make sure that I don't take any unnecessary detours along the way? What might that look like? I could give you a million reasons. I could tell you all sorts of things, but here's what I know. It's January 2nd, 2022. That means that if you are a human, you probably made some sort of resolution. Even if you're like anti-resolution, you make resolutions often. And if I could tell you there's a resolution you could make that would keep you on a path to abundant life more full and rich than you could ever imagine, that sounds better than the resolution of like, I want to do something to fix my hair this year. Here's two things you can do to stay on the path to abundant life. Read the Bible regularly and engage in life-giving community. Reading God's word is one of the primary tools to keep you on the path that God has you on. See, King David says this in the book of Psalms, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Bible is God's guiding light for you and I. His word illuminates the road ahead and gives us instructions on how to navigate our life. And listen, I know that we're at church and you're like, oh, preacher boy says, read the Bible again, whatever. If there is something that illuminates a difficult road for you that would lead you on a path that you really, really want to go on I will shout that thing from the rooftops until I have no breath left because it is the thing that illuminates the life around us. His word is one of the things that tells us more about himself than anything else you can ever possibly find. He reveals his character, his love for you, his instructions for how to live our life. He illuminates your entire life. And if the option is illuminated path or walking in darkness, I can tell you which one seems better. And his word is what illuminates the path that we're going to go on. So here, my challenge to you, resolution number one, read the Bible regularly. And you don't have to go crazy, okay? Don't go to the store and buy the King James Version unless you like, really like old English stuff. If you read Shakespeare in your downtime, get the King James Version, okay? You do you. But if not, get a version that you can understand. We use the ESV around here usually. Don't start in Ecclesiastes, okay? It's a great book of the Bible. God's living, breathing word. Not always the easiest to read. Don't set a goal of like, I'm gonna read 11 chapters. If you've never read the Bible and your goal goes from nothing to 11 chapters every single day, set yourself up for success. Set a goal to read one chapter of the Bible every day. In a, in a version that you can understand, you can download the Bible app. It's available on Android phones. It's available on the iPhones. And if you want it, you can just go to Google Play or the Apple Store and you can search Bible. They made it easy for us. 
On there, there's actually reading plans for you. I, I am right now reading the Bible chronologically, which is not put together chronologically necessarily. It's a really fun way. I've never read the Bible like that. It's a really fun way to read the Bible. Do whatever you need to do to put yourself up for success. But read the word regularly. And maybe you're one of those people that have been a part of church for a long time. Like that has been your deal since you were little. And you've never read the Bible. And now you feel shame about it. Because you're like, I'm a Christian, I should be reading the Bible. I know I should be reading the Bible, and yet I don't always feel motivated for it. Don't let the enemy use shame to prevent you from something that God wants to do in you. Fight against it. Set yourself up for success and read the Bible regularly because it is pretty difficult to stay on a road that you cannot see. And the road is illuminated through Scripture. So that's tool one. The second one is this, engage in life-giving community. Now, we're going to kick off a new series next week where we're going to talk about what it looks like to, to walk in community in our day-in, day-out lives. So I'm not going to like really dive too much into this right now. What I am going to do is tell you a story. One of my favorite stories in all of Scripture is in Exodus 17. So there's a story on the importance of community. So Moses is leading the Israelite people. And he, alongside him, he has a guy named Joshua who's leading their army. And then he has his posse, Aaron and her. And that's who is leading Israel at this time. Moses is leading it. Joshua is leading the people. So they get up into this moment in Exodus 17 that they are going to fight this brutal army called the Amalekites. And so they get down here. Down here is where the battle's happening. And Moses is down. He's up at top and he's looking down at this. And as his arms are beside him, he sees that, that the Israelite army was getting defeated. And then he would raise his arms and they would advance. So then, you know, arms go down, defeated, arms raised, advance. He goes, you know what? I'm going to hold my arms up because that seems better. So he holds his arms up. But Moses is getting old at this point as he's leading them. His arms begin to get weary. And in his weariness in the battle, the people that he surrounded himself with, Aaron and Hur, come to his aid. And they hold his arms up for him. And because he had them around him, they advanced. And they overcame. And they won the victory. But here's the deal. Moses, before he was weary, had already surrounded himself by the people that he would need in the middle of his weariness. And there's a big difference in your life in, in friendships, and I have friends, and life-giving community that's made to make me better. It's made to point me to Jesus. And because before Moses had gotten to this place of weariness, he'd already surrounded himself by men who would do what they needed to do, then the Israelites saw victory. And for you and I, we often wait until the dark times, until the marriage is in the really hard spot, until we lost something that we weren't expecting to lose, or until our kid begins to walk in rebellion. We wait until really things get bad, and then we go, oh, but I need godly people around me. You do, in the best of times and in the worst of times. Community makes us better, and it points us to Jesus. But it's not just like casual friendships, life-giving, sharpening friendships. And then in those times that we're weary, then we get to lean into our community. Because the community around us will often determine which path our weariness takes us on. So if your community is just like your golfing buddies or your book club, and you just kind of just gab and nothing's that serious, that's great. That's good to have friends. I, you should have those kind of friends. But you also need people that you can go to and you can go, you know what? This week was awful. 
I'm having a hard time in my marriage. This, this parenting thing, it's not for the faint of heart. You can have people that in the moment, in your weariness, that they can then go, hey, you got this. Not because of who you are, but because of who God is in you. That is what community looks like. Read the word regularly. Engage in life-giving community. Maybe you don't know how to do that. Today, you can go into our foyer and you can see we've got a groups table set up. We've got some of our groups pastors and they are doing what we call group connect. They're going to connect you to a group. If your goal for 2022 was to get engaged in a life group, you can do that today. Don't leave. Don't, don't wait and say, I'll do it later. Why? If there's something that's gonna help keep me on the narrow road, I wanna do that as soon as possible. So go meet one of our groups, pastors. They'll talk to you about what it looks like. And like I said, we're gonna kick off a new series starting next week where we're talking about the importance of community because we are all on this journey together. And the, the options are in front of us. We can stay status quo riding the I-10 highway towards the destination that is already predetermined or we can choose the narrow road, the, the road that is gonna wind more. It's gonna be difficult at times, but it is the only road that leads us to life. So if you will, if you'll go ahead and put your stuff away. We're going to close our eyes, but not because anything magic happens. But because it helps us focus. Because I'm a picture person. Like my thinking pictures. And I want you to picture yourself, yourself standing, looking at a fork in a road. And on one side is, is I-10. 26 lanes of driving easy. And the other side is it's narrow and you can see it winding and you can see some bumps in the road and you can, that is the other road. And I want you to ask yourself this question that no one else can answer for you. Which one are you on? And if you don't know, I can tell you that it is the I-10 wide road because that is the one every single one of us is born onto and lives on until we choose different we say yes to Jesus, lay everything at his feet and trust that it is only in him that we can get onto the narrow road. If you're here today or maybe you're joining us at our online campus and you, you want to say, I, I want to be on the narrow road. Here's what I want to ask you to do because I think commitments are good. Not for me, for you. For all of us, if you want to go from the wide road to the narrow road that offers life, you've never done that before. If you will, will you raise your hand? It's awesome. It's great. If you're online, you can actually respond right on there. You can put your hands down. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to pray anything that's going to just make things easy. But in your own heart, I just want you to tell God, God, I need you. And I want to live my life for you forever. Would you show me the things that I need to lay at your feet? Would you show me all the things that maybe I've grabbed hold of that need to be yours? I say yes to the narrow door, the narrow gate.
maybe you're one that you know you were walking on that narrow road. You, you have said yes to Jesus as the gate and you're walking through and yet you've taken a detour along the way. Maybe it's something with your job or your marriage or relationships or parenting or something. Something, something that you know is stealing the life God has from you. that's you. Will you be bold enough to raise your hand? That's great. It's awesome. So now we're going to get real uncomfortable because this is second service and why not? If you want to commit to reading your Bible every day, engaging it regularly, there's no pressure, no one's looking, you want to do that for your own heart and mind, your own spirit. Will you raise your hand? All right, one more. If you will commit to engaging in life-giving community, a community that points you to Jesus and helps keep you on the narrow road, if you will commit to that for 2022, will you raise your hand? It's awesome. Thank you. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the narrow road, even though it is difficult at times. God, we, we thank you that we get abundant life found only in the person of Jesus. For all those that raise their hands today, would you give them the boldness to walk out whatever they committed to? you were one of those two who, uh, who raised your hands wanting to say yes to Jesus for the first time. We've got prayer partners down at the front. We would love to pray for you as soon as service is over. God, would you give us the grace this year to follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In your name we pray. Amen.